It is the Big Sports Breakfast. Terrific to have your company this morning. And for those who are asking before the break, the BSB Multi is back online. So it, as I mentioned, just that system reboot. So if you go to the TAB website, you go to sports, you go to today's offers, you will see the Big Sports Breakfast Best Multi there. And it starts tonight. Brad Davidson has given us two and Adam Pengelly has given us one tip. So tonight, Davo's gone race one, number five, Emancipist at Canterbury. Race two, number one, Outlawed. And then on Saturday, Adam has gone at Randwick race five, number five, Passagiata. If all of those horses finish in the top two, you will get a result currently $6 for that uh, big sports breakfast bet best. And you can um, bet up to $25 on that. Uh, pretty confident about that. Malta. I, I got to say, not that I ever want to second guess Brad Davidson. He, he does a, does a terrific job. You're about doesn't to he? Yep. Well, well, I've just, but <laughs> the, you, the, the first, le- you know, I hate, you know, I always, I love a quaddy. And the thing is, what annoys me about my quaddies is I'll either go tight in the first leg and I'll go one, two or three horses. And of course, when you do that, you get knocked out. Mm. And then when you go wide and you think, no, I'm not going to get knocked out. I'm going to put eight horses in there. Of course, the favourite gets up at, you know, $2.60. So you shouldn't have gone wide. But he's <laughs> in the first race there tonight. There's four horses that are all under $4. Uh, then I just thought, ooh, that's a bit of a dicey one. Um, his horse, Emancipus, is $3. Uh, citizenship, three fifty. Step Aside, three sixty, And Himalayas, and $4. So um, anyway, hopefully you don't get knocked out in the first leg, and hopefully you're alive hopefully until right. your, your tip on Saturday. I'll be nervous, Ryan, if we're alive on Friday night going into Saturday, and I've got the one tip to go. So <laughs> all the pressure will be on then. So we'll, we'll see how we go. But back on your quaddies, like... You got cash out options. You can play wide in the first couple of leagues and narrow it down later. And you got cash out options these days. Yeah, you but, can make the most of it. But they pay nothing in okay. the cash out. Like particularly if you know you, you get some some shorties. Yeah, in, in that's there. true. That's true. But um, oh, you know, it's not going to stop me from taking. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Oh, I absolutely love them. But Bjorn Baker gave Passagiata a really good push when we had him on the show the other day. She's a very good horse. She's very fast. And what she did last time in town on a heavy track, I thought was pretty good coming from a, a provincial maiden straight to town to win on a Saturday was huge. So this is a tougher race again on Saturday at, at Randwick, obviously. But I think she's well and truly up to finishing in the top two. So, yep, we'll go with her on Saturday as my league. Now, we were seeing scenes from the... Andy Murray Tanasi Kokonakis match mm. last night, where if you've uh, just joined us, that match was a five setter. It went for five hours and 45 minutes, in which Andy Murray prevailed. It's the second latest finishing match in the history of the Australian Open and the third longest match behind the, the longest being five hours and 53 minutes. Uh, that was Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. But what was surprising was that. There was so many fans still around until yeah. after four o'clock in the morning, and and stayed and stayed and got into the match, and they were you know enthralled. I mean, they're only getting home at six, going to work today. If they were going to work, it's. Uh, I was actually watching it, thinking, "Wow, that's they've stolen ball kids." We were talking about that. Off well, air. yeah, producer Will made a really good point, thinking about those young kids who would all be. You know, they'd love it though, surely. I, I feel for the umpire. You're just sitting there watching this game, just in, oh, what's, what's it, oh, 15, 15 all, that type thing, is it? <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't fall asleep being the umpire. Like, 
That would do my head in. And this goes back to the point about what's the right schedule? What's the right sort of time period for the Australian Open in the calendar? And a lot of the players say it's too hot to play in Melbourne in January and it's too early in the season. Well, if you didn't have it in the school holidays period where a lot of people aren't working, a lot of kids aren't going to school, there'd be, there'd be almost no one in that stadium this yeah. morning. You know who'd be loving that, that timing? Craig Tiley, because that would be almost in prime time everywhere else in the world other than Australia. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, that would be huge in the UK right now yeah, with, with Andy Murray playing. Yeah, exactly. It right. would have finished UK time, dinner time, probably over there. What's, what's that? What, 11 hour yeah. time difference? It would, at the moment? Prime, it would have been prime yeah, time. Yeah, five o'clock in the afternoon, six yeah. o'clock at night. So perfect for it's the a, UK. And that's it. I mean, with a world sport like that, um, you know, it's, it's probably not such I did, a bad uh, thing. I have been laughing. There's been a lot of tweets running around that um, during the test match, and everyone was calling Sydney weather, change it, move it. You know, mm. the weather was obviously hasn't been good down in Melbourne. So a lot of the Sydney uh, journey, you might be involved in this. No, um, no. Stupid, to, I'm uh, yeah, sending out messages or tweets. Well, should we call this off and move this to Sydney? It's been, <laughs> been a lot of backwards and forwards going on between the journos. Um, the Premier League is underway. About 15 minutes played there between Manchester City and Tottenham at the moment. That is still... Uh, nil all as a Manchester United fan. Um, how do you, how do you watch? I don't these care, sorts of, mate. You don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, want a, I want a nil all draw or something yeah. like that. Yeah. They both they both don't get any points. Uh, in in all fairness, both teams are well and truly chasing top four. Obviously, City will be chasing the title, so probably a draw would be a good result for Manchester United. Looking at the PGA scores this morning, and uh, gee, they're setting the course alight there. Davis Thompson, he's eight under through nine holes. He's uh, currently one shot leader over Taylor Montgomery, who's seven under through 11 holes. The best of the Aussies tied for ninth, Harrison Endicott at four under through 11, and Jason Day four under through six. So, gee, it'd be great, it's great to see Jason Day return to some sort of form. It's It's been a while. He's had some issues, Ryan, hasn't he, for a long time now, probably the best part of three or four years, battled a lot of back problems. Mm. Uh, his body's just been failing him a little bit. But the last, I think, few months, he's just started to turn the corner a little bit. He's been in contention in a couple of tournaments and at least had a couple of top 20 finishes. So... Uh, he doesn't have an automatic entry to the Masters this year. We're going to have a very small Australian contingent yeah. in the Masters the way it stands at the moment because Jason Day's fallen down the world rankings. I think at the moment we've only got Adam Scott being a former winner, obviously, Cameron Smith, and Harrison Crowe, the young kid who won the Asia-Pacific Amateur, the only three Australians qualified for the Masters at the moment. So it'll be a very small contingent as it stands, but let's hope Jason Day can find some form in the next couple of months. Yeah. Now, last night in the BBL, the Sydney Thunder, what a terrific win by them over the Melbourne Renegades. They're now into the top five after a a very important eight-wicket win with five balls remaining there. And they've got a big match against the Sydney Sixers this coming Saturday night. What a blockbuster that promises to be. And joining us this morning is Sydney Thunder coach Trevor Bayliss. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning, lads. You must have been excited about that win last night. And as I mentioned, an important one. Uh, Yeah, it's... um... Yeah, the competition's all very, all very close at the moment. So um, yeah, good to get back on a winning on a winning streak, and hopefully that can continue Saturday night. But you don't get excited at most things, mate. You're sort of pretty calm and relaxed, are you? <laughs> well, I've got to be, mate, when I'm working with you. <laughs> um, the boy Gilks good last night. He uh, top of the order. He has, he's actually had, come into a little bit of run of form, hasn't he? Yeah, he, mate, he's a talented. Um, yeah, stroke maker. He's still got a few things to uh, you know to learn, but on a sort of a difficult wicket last night, he actually you know he he, he stuck at it. Um, you know, it was one of those wickets where the, the longer you're out there, the better it is. It's always you know hard to start on those types of wickets, and we we were our aim was for two guys to get together and 
um, you know, put on a, a, a good partnership, and we had two of those last night. But uh, Jilksy was in in both of those, and you know, fully deserved the you know the run that he got. Trevor, it's been great to see David Warner back in the Thunder Colours for the Big Bash. I know he hasn't got a big score on the board yet, but just what's the injection of enthusiasm and energy he's, he's brought to the group in the last few games? Yeah, look, just the, you know his experience, all round experience. Yeah, you know, the way he, he talks about the game. You know, he, when when he talks, everyone listens in the in the change room. Um, yeah, and that's invaluable for you know the younger group of players that we've we've got. So um, you know, it's it's not something you can uh, you can judge you know, the benefits of it straight away. But I'm sure over a period of time, these young guys will uh, benefit you know, greatly from it. Trevor, what's a build-up like to a Sydney Sixers Sydney Thunder match from your group internally? I'd imagine this would be one you'd circle on the calendar, particularly this time of the year when you know the big names are back from the Test squad. What's the build-up been like? Um, well, to be honest, we haven't had a real lot of time to sort of think about it. You know, there's so many other games coming up, so many other important games coming up. Um, you know, with three games to go, we thought you know if we can win if we can win two, we'd uh, we'd be unlucky to miss out. Well, we've won uh, the first one, so um, yeah, no time like the present to win uh, win the next one against uh, you know the Sixers. Probably you know thought of as maybe the big brothers of uh, the two Sydney teams, but um, yeah, the guys are motivated to obviously uh, you know win that one and um, you know, qualify for the finals. You take on, as you said, the Sixers. Smith was uh, was almost unbelievable that innings he played at Coffs Harbour the other night. Uh, it's a big challenge for you guys. Oh, look, definitely, he's obviously a world class player, and um, you know can play any form of the game. Uh, and hopefully, he's had his uh, hopefully he's had his one big innings for the, <laughs> uh, for, the yeah, for the season. Um, but, but look, it looked like a pretty good wicket up there in uh, Coffs Harbour. Um, I'm not sure about the, the Sydney wicket. It might be a little more difficult to play on. Uh, it might be a little more like the wicket we played on here last night. So, um, look, the T20 games can go either way. When someone in either team plays an in innings like that, you know, it can take away the game from the opposition. So, um, you know, we're looking for uh, some of our players to play a, a similar type innings. Trevor, we've been talking earlier this morning about the, I suppose, the schedule for the Big Bash and the new television deal, which will come in in future years, about potentially limiting the competition to, to 40-odd games. Do the players and staff have a very firm view on what's the right, I suppose, format for the competition? Do we need to reduce the amount of games we play? Um, oh, look, I think if you asked uh, everyone involved, you know, I think they probably think it's a little a little too long. Um, you know, look, it's, uh, I think it's one of those... Things, you know, possibility if if you played the same games and uh, were were made to use all of uh, all of your your players in the squad, um, you know that might be a way around it. But it looks like they've uh, you know they're going down the track of a few less games, which I'm sure will uh, yeah will make a lot of the a lot of the people involved happy. Hey Trevor, we had um, Jason Sanger on the other day, and it was straight after you guys took on uh, the Hobart Hurricanes and there was that push and shove between David Warner and, and Matthew Wade. And obviously, the, you know, there was no case to answer for either player at the end. But there was a lot of commentary around it about, about the look and maybe what went on. Um, can you maybe give us some insight into the chatter amongst the group after all of that happened? Uh, well, everyone was having a, bit, a little bit of a joke about it. But, uh, um, you know, there's obviously a couple of different TV stations uh um, yeah, doing the uh, doing the match and David David was actually on. I think he was actually on 
speaking at the time that happened and actually and called what he was going to do. He said, I'll just go over and um, yeah, have a word to him. Just, but it was just a bit of fun between a couple of guys. Yeah, look, um, I think it'll probably uh, make him think yeah, twice about uh, doing the same thing again. But um, yeah, there was certainly nothing in it. It was two blokes having a little bit of a, yeah, yeah two good mates having because a bit of a laugh. Chris yeah. Green was getting a bit chirpy with Wade as well, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, well, that was probably a little more, uh, uh, I don't know, but, yeah, a little more, uh, uh, I don't know what pointed. the word is, but two, yeah, pointed to two, two grown blokes trying to win the game for themselves and, uh, um, yeah, emotions boiled over a little bit, but, yeah, that happens in, uh, um, yeah, in, in, in sport sometimes. And But I think, uh, as most people saw, the two of them were having a chat after the game and uh, buried the hatchet. So, um, yeah, all good there. The uh, your captain um, Green, he's been outstanding with the ball, but his leadership skills have come to the fore this year, and I think everyone's been really impressed with him, mate. Yeah, well, of course, we uh, we actually made Jason Sanger captain this year, and with his injury, um, you know, Green he stepped into the into the fold there, and yeah, he, look, he's done a he's, he's done a you know a really good job. He's done it before, obviously, mm. um, but uh, yeah, no, I. I, I I think his captaincy has been uh, has been very good. So, um, you know, he's probably uh, his, his bowling changes have been um, you know has been quite good out in the field, and um, yeah, not quite happy with him. Mate, finally for me, how's the golf game? Uh, mate, very irregular, um, <laughs> and uh, I did have a couple of games down here in uh, Canberra, but after the first game, mate, I could hardly move. <laughs> you still got the lasso going. <laughs> uh, well, I did pick the second game, mate. I did pick my, the first ball of the day up off the middle of a roundabout. So, yeah. <laughs> usually not a great start. <laughs> you, you only want the ball to go on the road when you're playing cricket, not golf. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, good on you, Trevor. Well, the Sydney Sixers, as I mentioned, your Sydney Thunder take them on on Saturday night. Tab odds at the moment, Sixers $1.62, Sydney Thunder two thirty. It's going to be a much-anticipated match. Good luck with that and also ahead of the finals. Thanks for joining us this morning on the Big Sports Breakfast. Great. Thanks, guys. Trevor Bayless joining us there this morning. Um, speaking of golf, too, I should probably update you with what's happening at the Abu Dhabi Championships. And one of our uh, listeners, uh, Chad, has reminded us that uh, the Abu Dhabi Championship is on at the moment. And our Aussies are actually going okay there at the moment after the first round. Luke Donald is the leader at eight under, but Jason Scrivener is seven under at the moment. So just one shot off the lead. And Minwoo Lee, he's four under. Uh, in that tournament as well. So we'll keep an eye on those Aussies. So good to see them doing well over there. Yeah, fantastic. Minwoo Lee can still qualify for the Masters if he finishes inside the top 50, I think, a week out from the tournament. So he's hovering around the 50 odds and 60. So he probably needs a couple of big events to try and work his way into the top 50. And Jason Scrivener, Ryan, he is one of the nicest guys and most consistent guys on tour who just never wins. He's won one professional tournament in his life, which is the New South Wales Open, and he banks couple million dollars, million dollars, couple million dollars a year. He's so consistent, just never wins. And he played so great in this tray and PGA up against Cameron Smith uh, going back a couple of months ago. Now was in contention on the final day, couldn't win. But um, let's hope he can get the monkey off his back over there in Europe. The BSB Multi is live and we want you to be part of the open line number this morning as well, 135353. The SMS 0419767272. Roger Rashid, Brad Davidson still to come this hour. We want you to be part of the program, 0419767272 was the text line, the open line, 13 53 53. Let's take some calls this morning. Good morning, Des. 
Good morning, Summer Team. How are you? Very well. What have you got for us this morning? Oh, you're on my favourite subject, uh, rugby union. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll plead my allegiances straight away. I'm a ra- I just love rugby league. Um, I can't stand rugby union, but I'm prepared to try and help them with their lack of tries. Um, so I think it was Stewie Clark. This thing about them getting three points for penalty goals is pretty simple. There's too many points for penalty goals and drop goals and not enough points for tries. I like it. And um, when you get a team that can, you know, you might, by some fluke, get a magnificent try in the corner and they might miss the, or miss the conversion and the other team will go up and kick two drop goals and they're in front of you. So that's just ridiculous. So, so to help out, I think we should make a try worth 10 points. Um, the conversion's worth three because you can only have the conversion if you score a try. I'll still allow one point for a penalty goal. But if you take a drop goal, you lose a point. There, you are. that'll fix it. So you lose a point for drop goals. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, right, that okay. makes no, no. tries. No, 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 no. Or you could just simplify it, um, Des, and keep the tries and conversions the same, but just make penalty goals and drop goals worth one point only. Then they, well, they, they won't take as many of those, will they? Well, did, uh, that's, did, the po- uh, that's the point I'm getting at. They've got to do something. So, Des, um, I'm, only, I'm, I'm with you. No drama. I'll go with you. How are we going to get the European half of the competition? Which is the world, more powerful half. Yeah, with all the money mm. to agree to this. Well, it's going to be hard because, unfortunately, <laughs> the, peop- the people who go and watch it, um, anyone who thinks that rugby union is better than rugby league, I feel sorry for them anyway. And they're only going there drinking their Pims number 42 and their cucumber sandwiches, and they're going, oh, what a, what a, good, what a good goal. A, a well played, old boy. So I think uh, but we just want to fix it up here in Australia. I'm only trying to help out. And, you know, I used to speak to Peter Peters and Greg Hartley who were the actual people who started these great sports shows you now run. And we had a golden rule, me and Zorba on uh, Rugby Union. If you talk for Rugby Union on this great show for five minutes, it's six minutes too much. <laughs> Good, on Good on you, Des. Des. Have Thanks a nice weekend. Uh, Have a nice weekend, mate. Very, very amusing and actually um, quite, uh, quite, I guess, poignant, you know, because... I think he makes some really good points there. I think 10 points for a try is going just a little bit <laughs> no, too far. No, but I, I think that... <laughs> what, do you reckon more than losing points for a <laughs> for drop goal? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all with him, though, on changing the, the, the structure of it. Uh. Because, yeah, too, too much for a penalty goal. He's, he's spot on. Like, why should two penalty goals be worth more than a try? Yeah. We're not saying you, you can't... You can have good games of rugby union. Like, there, there, are, there are a lot of good games of rugby union, but the problem is there's too many bad games. Yeah. And it's obviously hampered by the scoring system. So yeah. I agree with you, Ron. You've you hit the nail on the head with your scoring system. I think that works perfectly. Jeez, I'm worried about talking about rugby too much now if he says that. I feel like I need to run <laughs> a stopwatch. We've got at least six or seven minutes. Not go over the five-minute yeah. uh, threshold. Good on you, Des. Thanks for your call. And keep those coming this morning, 13.53.53. Plenty of scores to get through as far as the Australian Open is concerned. And the most recent of them was Andy Murray defeating Aussie Tanasi Kokonakis in a five-hour and 45-minute epic. Murray winning 4-6-6-7-7-6-6-3-7-5. It's the second latest finishing match in history, finishing just after 4am. And only the Leighton Hewitt-Marcus Bagdadis match in 2008 finished later. That was at 4.34 on that occasion. Um, And the longest match was Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal in the 2012 final. That was five hours and 53 minutes. So well done to Andy Murray. He progresses and he will now take on... Uh, Batista Agu in the next round. 
Two men are through to the third round. Alex Diemenor, he survived against Adrian Manorino and Alexi Popperin. A terrific win for him over world number nine, Taylor Fritz. He was most emotional after that match, as he should be. A terrific effort. Our last female hope, unfortunately, was knocked out Kim Birrell. Uh, second seed, a lot of the seeds went out yesterday. Second seed, Casper Rude. Eight seed, Taylor Fritz, who I just mentioned. 12 seed, Alexander Zverev. 14 seed, Pablo Carreno Busta, Diego Schwartzman, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina, and um, on the women's side, Ons Jabur, Veronica Kurdamantova, uh, um, just some of the names that got knocked out as well. So a few few rough results there yesterday at the Australian Open and we'll talk more to Roger Rashid about that in just a moment. The Sydney Thunder, they defeated the Melbourne Renegades by eight wickets at Marnock Roval. Now that sets them up for a much anticipated clash against the Sydney uh, Sixers on Saturday night. Updating live scores this morning it's still nil all just after 40 minutes between Manchester City and Tottenham so a uh, bit of a stalemate happening there. In the Gulf, there's a bit going on this morning. In the American Express in California, Davis Thompson is a one-shot leader there over Dean Burmeister. Uh, he's eight under at the moment. The two Aussies doing well. Uh, Harrison Endicott, he's five under. Jason Day uh, is currently four under. And on the European Tour as well, uh, Jason Scrivener is currently tied for second at seven under, one shot behind Luke Donald, the best of the Aussies, but it is time to talk tennis, and uh, Roger Rashid is joining us on the line. Uh, gee, hopefully, well, maybe he has pulled an all-nighter watching the the Andy Murray Tanasi Kokonakis match. Uh, good morning, Rog. Did you sit up and watch, or have you got some shut eye? Uh, I, I sat up very close and personal and watched. I was on the side of the court commentating, uh, so I've had an hour sleep and I've. Woken up to jump on the phone with you guys. Oh, you're an absolute machine. So you you were commentating that match for for the coverage. Yeah, correct. Wow. So obviously an incredible match. We've just seen been watching this morning. You know, watching the the various news outlets and the, a lot of the fair, they all stayed, Rog. So it looked to be a great atmosphere, uh, which was befitting for what looked to be a terrific match. Yeah, look, there's no doubt about that. It was a uh, the atmosphere was amazing on Margaret Court, and and it started out full, and, and obviously five hours and forty five minutes later, um, it wasn't full, but it was about three quarters full, and it was a an outstanding crowd and a, and a match where they end up seeing they end up seeing the the very best of Andy Murray as he wound back the clock, um, clawed his way back for the 11th time from, from two sets to love. And uh, he played some extraordinary tennis. And, and for Tanasi, who stepped up and served for the match um, and a couple of times was only two points away from going the third round for the second time only in his career. Um, and once, once, once at the French Open um, a long time ago, that was uh, very heartbreaking for him because... So close, and um, yeah, we just watched a bit of a genius at work find his way back. Rog, what does what does it do physically for Andy Murray because of the lack of sleep, and then the just complete change with his schedule? How does he deal with all of that now? Yeah, look, it is strange, and, it, and it's look, it's it, at the end of the day, it's something some of these the majors are probably going to, you know, the US Open as well. It doesn't happen at Wimbledon, obviously, because of. Uh, can't play through, you know, deep into the night with the grass and it gets dewy at mm. um, Paris. They've got, they've got, uh, you know, lights on their, 
they're a closed court now, so it can go, they can have a night session. Um, but you don't, you know, as 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 it was an epic match, and uh, I mean one of the one of the great matches. It was uh, especially the last three sets. Uh, but in saying that, the Nazis, tennis in the first two sets to totally take the racket away from from Andy with his serve and his forehand. It was it was such a such a complete game. Um, you know, it, it you know to finish that late, it, it basically sort of ruins your chances because you you don't you know you finish you know Andy would have got to sleep probably about about now mm. um, if he's yeah probably about now and um, so he's probably just going to bed but his t- his clock's waking you know waking yeah, up sure. not too not too long later so yeah it's it's a it's a it's a tough one um, for sure because you know you just your body needs to sleep so today I'm guessing Andy will. He doesn't need to get on the tennis court. He just needs a recovery and uh, to fuel up, and then and then I'm sure they'll try and look at putting them, um, not playing them too early on the following day, being tomorrow. Roger, you have an insight into Andy's sort of mindset throughout that match. We we saw him sort of screaming at one stage, saying, "Why are we playing at 3 a.m. in the morning?" And they even denied him a. Is it right they denied him a second toilet break? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the case, and you know, there's got to be. I, I guess at some some stage and. Uh, you've got to have some flexibility, but uh, look, he, he was just being annoyed that he was he was deep in, um, you know, he was he was deep in a tennis match that late at night. Even though he was, you know, internally he would have been enjoying the fight, you know, the comeback. He, look, he's got he's one of the great minds um, because so passionate, loves the competition, lives for the moments, the big moments. You know, he played he was number one in the world, um, and. You know, he, he played in he's, he's played in the greatest era as far as you know in the middle of the the Federer, Nadal, and then Djokovic and, and Andy Murray. So so those four players and um, so he's got a lot in the bank. He understands he, he's you know as he said I've I've got a big heart and he and he did he was able to completely change his game from a game that wasn't uh, getting it done to to really writing a new script and. Going out and actually executing a plan, which was which was so proactive and aggressive, and um, and he didn't falter off, didn't move off that line, and and uh, just keep giving himself chances. Um, and at, at the other other end, you've got to actually play that person, and um, uh, and yeah. So it was, look, it was, he's a, he's one of the um, he's a remarkable guy because he he's very astute, very intelligent. Um, very witty, you know. Lendl, his coach, who no one thought was witty or funny or had any sense of humour, uh, has had a great locker room sense of humour. So, that, so they're very much similar, uh, similar beasts, um, Andy and and um, and, and Ivan. And you know, Ivan was was you know he, he got given a bit of a bit of stick from Andy because he's you know he couldn't get back into the he went to, for a toilet break and couldn't get back in. Um, so he had to wait three games before he could get back in, <laughs> you know, you, because security wouldn't let him back in because he, you know, you had to wait for the change of ends. And Andy was wondering where he was. You know, why isn't he back in the chair? Um, so he sees a lot, of Andy. He sees what's happening around the court as well. Um, but yeah, but so we're we're pretty privileged, um, privileged to sit down and watch that. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was one of the one of the special nights. Rog, just on Kokonakis, if you know he's currently ranked 159 in the world, but we we, we saw him there against Andy Murray, who's who's a, a Grand Slam champion, and you know he played terrifically through Adelaide. 
his body's probably let him down in recent years. If if he's able to stay fit, when you think about some of those top Aussie guys, the likes of obviously Kyrgios and Alex Dimonor, do you think obviously with this tournament and maybe with what he's done in Adelaide, he might break into the top 100? I don't know whether he'll get maybe enough points, but he'll, he'll be close. But do you think if his body stays right, he could be a top 20 player again? Uh, she did. Look, I'm, I'm expecting um, Tanasi to have a rocket near his name this year. By the end of by the end of 23, I, I'd expect him to be the top 50 players in the world if he, if he can stay sound. You're quite right. His body's his body's been the, the thing, but now he's got a secure body. He showed that he showed that last night, being able to go go the distance. He, he's also, uh, you know, he's physically in better condition in general, and you know, he's got he's got world class weapons. I mean, that that serve is. Uh, it's an extraordinary serve in his forehand. The way he was dismantling Andy with his forehand, and he did that in Adelaide as well to, to some of his opponents, as, um, you know, was incredible. So it was he's got weapons that suggest that he should naturally be inside the top 50. Um, and then from there, it's you know, from from there, it's about your 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 body, your consistency, and uh, it's also picking your you know picking your tournaments as well at times because some of the some of the court surfaces are. Are quite slow, and so it takes away a little bit of his fight now. But um, yeah, he's definitely we, and I'm sure he um, is a big believer that um, you know he, he's he should be sitting inside the top 50 by by the end of 23. Let's hope so for him. Now, Alexi Poprin, he was uh, outstanding, mm. um, and it was great, and it was great to watch on TV. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I barely saw any of it because I was doing another that I was doing. Doing another match, so I just so all I did was I kept a close eye on the score. I had it on the screen as I was commentating um, another match at the time, and so so it was really quite. Uh, I was doing as Zverev, who you know number twelve seed, who's former world number three and number two, and mm. um, who lost. And uh, we had a lot of lot of lot of big names that that lost. Number two, new two seed, number two seed, Casper Ruud lost as well. So. Um, and you know, for for um, Poppin to beat Fritz, who will be very very disappointed because he's a person who sits in the top ten, who's who's got a lot of uh, court smarts and who's been playing some really consistent tennis. And and for Poppin, who only won five matches on the tour last year, mm. to be able to navigate his way through that match um, and and put himself in a winning position and then get it done. Uh, that was a very, very big moment and significant moment in his career, and you know, all all props to him because you know I I didn't see that one coming. Yes, he's got a big serve. Yes, he can play a big game, but his game generally hasn't been put together um, often enough, and he's had a lot of doubt um, on the on the tennis court uh, with his game. And um, you know, that's that's all credit to him. And I guess it just shows when. You're at home, and you've got the you know you've got their environment around you that really that's very positive, and they're and they're pro pro you on the on the, when you're on the court. It keeps you, it narrows your it narrows your thinking and your and your mindset, and you're very you can become very tunnel visioned about what you're doing on the court, and um, and you could see that from Poprin. Um he, he did that in Adelaide as well, uh, leading up to this tournament. So there was some, there was some good form going in and. Uh, yeah, that was an, that that was an exceptional win for him too, and, and one that hopefully will again kickstart someone's year because uh, Alexi Poplin's had a 
he's had a, a big downturn in his career and, and he needs to turn things around and this is probably going to be the catalyst for that. And Rog, just finally, on today, not a lot of Aussies in action. They'll, they'll be playing some doubles, but uh, highlights, probably looking at that Sebastian quarter match, Daniel Medvedev later in the men's looks pretty good and Madison Keys, Victoria as a ranker, would they be your highlights? Yeah, you picked out two two magnificent games, I think, you know, because um, Madison Keys is, you know, she, she's a she's a star, big firepower, hits the ball extremely big off off both wings, um, is is playing a lot lot more consistent tennis back over the last eighteen months. Again, she was a finalist at the U.S. Open way back, losing to Stone Stevens. Um, you know, so so that's a that's a crucial match. This is a great Rod Laver Arena night session. Um, and then Sebastian Corder taking on Medvedev. And, um, you know, we saw Sebastian Corder in the first week of the year against Novak Djokovic. So he's stepping up, up again and playing some great tennis. And, um, you know, this, that, well, that one's probably going to be the most uh, entertaining match of the day. Oh, well, it's going to be evening sessions late at night as well. So uh, we could go into the late early, uh, we can go into the early mornings of um, in, over um, in, in that match as well, with Saturday morning with the, those guys as well. So, it's a look. It's really opened up the the men's draw has been opened up in the bottom section. Novak, we saw Novak get through and had these little moments with his hamstring, um, but um, there's the bottom quarter of the draw uh, of the bottom half has has really opened up. Could Murray potentially get through? He plays Karina Bustera good, who also won who won from coming back from two sets love. He was a former top ten player in the world, so. Um, and those guys are going to have another very lengthy tennis match. So, so uh, all eyes on that. And um, we're looking forward to seeing what the, the favourites do today with Om Javert playing as well, um, you know, later on today. So interesting, interesting day of tennis. What are you doing now, Rog? Back, back, back to bed or hitting the gym? I think I need to go to the gym. You're a freak. I think so. Yeah, we, so you one hour yeah. sleep and you, you can't wait to get back in the gym. Just, no, I don't know if I can't wait. I just think <laughs> I just think I'm just going to keep the routine and try and find some shut eye somewhere during during the day. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully you find a boring tennis match and you can uh, do that during on the side. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm not calling it. Good on you, Rog. Thanks for joining us under such testing uh, circumstances this no, morning no, for, a... for calling that match last night. Thank you. No, no problems. It was, a, it was a fantastic and an epic and um, just disappointing that the uh, Nazi couldn't be on the uh, on the winning edge. Brad Davidson in a moment, but half-time in the English Premier League, Tottenham have gone up 2-0. Big upset brewing, Ryan. Two goals in the space of two minutes just before half-time through Kulisevsky and Emerson Royal. And I think the first goal, I think Manchester City tried to play a bit too cute. Edison tried to play out from the back. They got lost possession inside their own penalty box and conceded a goal. And then Tottenham went down the same end again and scored straight away. So can you believe this, Stewie? I reckon Arsenal fans are actually cheering for Spurs. They'd, yeah. be, they'd be loving this right now because yeah. just patting their lead at the top of the Premier League. Time to talk some racing. Brad Davidson joins us. Good morning, Brad. Uh, turned out to be a, a pretty good day yesterday at the uh, Gold Coast for the Magic Millions and Tony Gollan took out the big one with the Philly skirt, the law. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. You're right. Yeah, the track played pretty well. It held up nicely, uh, drained nicely as well. So it was on a pretty fair surface there yesterday and skirt the law far too good in the... Uh, the two-year-old classic, Tony Gollum, was very bullish about her chances in the lead-up to the race last week and was, uh, yeah, got vindication for that yesterday. Um, she was very dominant that last little bit. She had a nice little turn of speed. Where does she fit in the, the big picture of the two-year-olds? The overall time was, was nothing flash. I think they sit home at about 35.7. So 
Uh, I think she's into about $15 for a golden slipper. But for me, I, I wouldn't be uh, sort of trusting that Magic Millions form from a golden slipper perspective this year. I, I thought it was a race that was probably two, three lengths below what we normally see at the Magic Millions. And generally, it's it's not a race that they they take that form to the to the slipper as it is and, and be competitive. So, look, very impressive yesterday, but just a little bit guarded about that form going forward. Morning, Davo. Uh, fashion legend caused an upset in the Magic Millions three-year-old guineas. I reckon it's always a, a fascinating betting race. Usually has a few upsets this race. What do you make of uh, his win? I think he was beaten in a Hawkesbury Class 1 only about a month or so ago. Yeah, morning, Adam. Yeah, you're right. I mean, gives, gives everyone a hope, doesn't it? Started the preparation, as you said, beaten in a Class 1 at the Provincials in New South Wales and now four straight and uh, won a Group 3 before going to the, the, the three-year-old guineas. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about the, uh, I suppose, the bad luck and the ride on Yellow Brick just got too far back and was held up at the top of the straight and rattled home. Probably you could have made a case. It could have, should have won the race. But saying that, um, the winner sat three wide and they cover at the same time and did all the hard work out wide and was still able to hold them all off. So all on as the winner. Second horse, you know, if you're on it, you could, you could definitely make the hard luck tail. He, he just uh, gave away too much of a start for an on-speed horse and he was terrific and looks a, a really promising horse going forward too. But, um, yeah, two nice performances there. Russian Conquest, a lot of people were, were tipping it all week but um, wasn't able to get the job done yesterday. Randwick tomorrow. Um, good to see racing back there in the new year. Yeah, Clarkie, yeah, look, um, it's, it's a tough meeting. I must admit, I, I struggle to come across a tougher meeting for some time there. Uh, most races sort of $5 a field, but a lot of interest in that two-year-old race as well coincide there at the, at the top of the market. But Rockabilly Rebel uh, has tried really well, as has one of the good Olfen horses there. So um, shaping up to be quite a nice two-year-old race. We spoke about the highway there yesterday as well. Mogo Magic's been well-supported and... Um, Gallant Star, I'm sure, will receive some support, as will a couple of others there, so shaping up to be a, a cracking highway. But, yeah, overall, uh, pretty tough meeting. I struggle to really find too much there at early stages, so I'll be focusing on the, the best bets at Canterbury tonight for, for listeners today. Well, you found them yesterday, and were you getting some text love this morning, Davo? Uh, it says, boys, I'm a sole trader and was rained off yesterday, found myself spending the Arvo at the local and following Davo's tips. I ended up making more money than if I'd gone to work. Cracking day. <laughs> Thanks to Davo, you bloody legend, helping out the battlers. That's from Dora the Free Pourer. So uh, that's some love for you on the text line there, Davo. Well done on yesterday. But, yeah, you're keen on Canterbury tonight. Tell us about them. Yeah, we, we didn't get our tip home at uh, on the BSB yesterday. Unfortunately, I'm a true star. It was a bit disappointing, but a bit of luck there at the Gold Coast for that uh, follow-up. But, um, yeah, look, Canterbury tonight, the first two races, keen to play... Um, I think you can probably wait now with the first one, Emancipist. Um, it's been sevens into $3. You might get a little bit better late in the piece, but I love the way she's been trialling. She comes out of some good races last preparation behind Perfect. Four two went down uh, south and won the Carbine Club Stakes and just looks to have some pretty good form lines for this. I think there's a couple of horses in there that uh, won, I think, it's a $900,000 yearling and probably being priced on the yearling tag rather than the trials for mine. So... Um, keen to play Emancipus, but you probably get a little bit better price late now. And race two outlawed there for John O'Shea, the toppy, I think is very hard to beat. Comes out of a maiden last preparation where the winner is a potential stakes horse. They ran super time and, and she beat the rest easily enough. She's been trialling well and uh, I think she might start even shorter than her current price there, race two number one outlawed. And of course, both of those horses feature in the BSB multi, which will be available until nine o'clock this morning. You just go 
on the website or the app to sports and today's offers. And for Canterbury Race 1, number 5, Canterbury Race 2, number 1, and Randwick Race 5, number 5, if any of those horses, Emancipist, Outlawed, and Passagiata finish in the top two, that is $6. That's a combined multi with Brad Davidson and Adam Pengelly. Just one quick one, uh, Brad, on the text line here. Can we ask Davo what his top three golden slipper chances are? I know you mentioned yesterday the Magic Millions. You you don't seem to think many of those horses will threaten, but have there been any standouts yet, or do you think they're still to come? Yeah, look, I have to have a good look at the uh, the times of the Waterhouse debutant uh, in Victoria about a week ago. The name escapes me at the moment, but King Gambit is at top one at the moment, um, a horse that uh, only had the one run but was super, ran sensational time, and he's the clear benchmark at this stage. So he'd be... He'd be top seed, but looking for a couple to sort of put their hand up in the next few weeks because it's been pretty light on, I reckon, in the first uh, part of the two-year-old season. There's been nothing really knocking the door down at all. Mm. All right, Brad. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good luck with those uh, tips this coming weekend, and we'll see you on Sky Racing on Saturday. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.